E-commerce isn't just an aspect of growing a successful wine business, it is crucial. And that's why I strongly recommend working with Offset Partners. As a proudly independent e-commerce technology and brand design company based in wine country, Offset understands the operational nuances and the customer service imperatives that distinguish a great online buying experience from a mediocre one. And that's why leading and legendary brands like Saxum, Arnott Roberts, and Kermit Lynch Wine Merchant choose Offset's proprietary commerce technology platform to power their DTC sales. If you're an allocated winery or a high-touch merchant that values an elegant, effective commerce solution for both you, your customers, and your team, reach out to the smart team at offsetpartners.com. That's O-F-F-S-E-T, partners with an S, dot com, to craft a better direct-to-consumer experience. I'm Levy Dalton, and this is All Drink to That, where we get behind the scenes of the wine business. Recently, I sat down and had a really fascinating, in-depth conversation with Richard Betts, who has brought many different faucets to the wine world, including working as a sommelier, working as a negotiant wine producer in different parts of the world, working in the liquor business. We covered a lot of ground, and what we decided to do in a first for the show was share it all with you. So rather than cut out large portions of what we talked about, we decided to release the entire interview as... Uh, two separate parts. In part one, which you'll hear shortly, we discuss how Richard got started with food and wine and his development as a sommelier in Aspen. Mr. Richard Betts joins us on the show today. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you. Good to be seen. So you started uh, your uh, younger days in the old Tucson, Arizona there, and uh, you decided to go off to college. And what happened after that? Ooh, fun. Fun ensued. Um, a lot of time on the beach, lots of recreational drugs, uh, all kinds of good music. You know, it was Los Angeles. It was a bright light, big city. Happy moment for a kid from the the old Pueblo of Tucson, Arizona. So you left the you left the old town behind, and you I left the old town behind. Hit the bright streets. You know what was how's that song go? Never going back to Georgia. Yeah, that was my song. Except never go back to Tucson. No offense to anyone who's still there. I thought that was an orange wine joke. <laughs> could be. Could be. I'm just saying. It sounded like a, a double entendre to me. I don't know. That's pretty awesome. So you go to L.A. and you're living the same lifestyle you live now. A lot of, a lot of good times. A lot of good times. I, you know, I, I do try to wake up and uh, I, I do wake up grumpy. I think, I, you know, not every day. but Is like, that true? I, I definitely have, have grumpier days than others. And then it takes about, you know, sometimes half a second and sometimes 10 minutes but you know it, it, everyone says it these days but it could be your last could be your last moment right and do you feel that way more now that you have a, a bigger family you have a child and you see it every day it's amazing you know i didn't i never understood my parents love for me until i had a kid when once you have a child it just it changes everything i mean it's really become my compass and and with that you know we we homeschool our child and so um you know, my wife Mona does does uh, really the vast majority of it. Um, a big part of my influence is is helping Bella understand that this is supposed to be fun. You know, as far as we know, you get one crack. 
So yeah, not everything goes your way all the time, but shake it off. You know, next play, next play, next play. Like just don't get weighted down in the past. Focus on where you are at that moment and make it awesome. So yeah, and that's... Uh, and, and she's doing some performing arts. So there's probably a little heartbreak along the way because that's a field where you don't just make it suddenly usually. Oh my God, absolutely. You know, I mean, there are moments when... Uh, you know, she got the flu last week and had to cancel a concert, and she was, like, unbelievably bummed out. And then there are moments where, you know, you wish you had done something better, or you wish you had engaged with the other performers. But, I mean, you know, all these things she's learning, she just turned 12. So it's and actually she pretty cool she's learned. It. And it's a whole new place. Yeah, it's awesome. We were actually walking back from the farmer's, uh, farmer's market, and she just said, Dad, you know, I love New York. It's great. Thanks for making she this did? happen. She did? She said that? Yeah. That's the best thing you can hear, right? It's amazing. I mean, it's great. It, you know, this place is definitely the center of the universe. And so having our compass firmly directed at, um, you know, at what all three of us are doing, but for her in particular, like, let's make the music great. You know, she's got great mentors here. She's got amazing opportunities to play with people and to, to take in awesome music. And it sounded like that's why you moved here. It like, is. to me. Yeah. I mean, we've been out that every was the night. Reason. I saw <laughs> after breakfast, like, you look tired. She's like, yeah, I think I need to go back to bed. The nightlife's killing me. <laughs> is that what she said? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 12 year old wow like I feel ya I feel ya I was like wow I think I need to go to bed because this Golden Girls episode's getting a little stale that was that was me at 12 I was That's like awesome. yeah so, but you went to you went to Occidental and you were studying studying biology at first I was yeah I was studying biology and uh, you know I I grew up uh, you know as we mentioned in the desert southwest but we spent a ton of time on the beach um, a place called Rocky Point Puerto Penasco and so, you know, formative years were climbing around tide pools at night, you know, with the flashlight and the waves crashing and sticking your hand in dark holes to catch octopus. And, and it, was, it was what made my heart race. It, I was really into that. And so I went to Occidental and I thought, oh, I'll do biology and then I'll do marine biology. And then you get to your first bio class and I hear it's click, 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 click of those four color pens of all the pre-meds just like jamming on oh. it. And they just, I mean. Because the other 29 kids were all pre-med? Oh my, God, all of them. None of them were like uh, Jacques Cousteau? Yeah, no. Not a, not a one, you know. And then, you know, like your slides would break and, you know, mysteriously. And it was it was very No difficult. way your slides would break. No Dude way. would do that to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They would mess up your prep work mess, and stuff? Mess work. To try to like. It's all graded on the curve, the, man. The curve? Oh, Dude, yeah, that's like the worst kind of French restaurant. You it know was, what I mean? Yeah, like I do. Still Absolutely. Your Plus, Absolutely. That kind of stuff. It's insane, right? And you're just like, you know what? I just, I can't be here. This isn't for me. So it didn't kill my love for the ocean or any of that sort of stuff. Uh, so you decided to get out of the, okay, the biology. So, yeah, Bill on the bio, uh, tried a bunch of different stuff. Tried econ, was it my shizzle, uh, poli sci, which I liked. Um, and I ended up taking a lot of courses in poli sci. But um, yeah, I needed to be outdoors. And, yeah. and one of the things, LA is amazing. I love being in Los Angeles. Living there is hard. And if you ever like really just decide I got to jam, it's not your decision. Like you can get in your car and try to jam, but you might be hours and hours and hours from getting out of that place, depending on the time of day. And it used to freak me out. Um, and so I needed, I needed to jam and I would spend uh, a lot of time riding the mountain bike in the San Gabes, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, I gravitated to uh, geology um, as, you know, it's actually very serious. Everything at Occidental is serious. They make you work harder than I thought I was going to. But um, but it was great, and it got me out of Los Angeles. And so I spent a lot of time in the Mojave Desert, and uh, which I'm comfortable in the desert. Yeah. And it was good to be outdoors, and it was great to engage in the scientific process and learn about what that means and learn how to actually 
be critical and objective and measure things. And, um, and I like that, you know, that, that's, uh, that works for me. It works for my brain. Um, and then once I understand those things to at least my satisfaction, I like to blow it all up and, you know, whatever. I, I often think with you, if you hadn't done wine, Earthworks would have been awesome. Like, uh, the, you know, like Spiral Jetty stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know absolutely. I, mean? I think you yeah. could have rocked that out pretty hardcore. There's still time, of course. It, it could happen. Uh, you know, I was chatting about this with a friend the other day. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely disappear at some point and yeah. just pull the plug and go, well, make, go make pots again. Wine importers do that, but usually when... Yeah. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, when things go really bad. No, I'm, I'm going to disappear on my own terms. Um, well, I mean, it, Oaxaca is kind of disappearing in a way, right? I mean, dirt <sighs> floors and yeah. your... It, yeah, you know, Oaxaca is amazing. 600 meters and above sea level and you're, you know, there's cockroaches on the menu and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you can definitely, you can get lost in Oaxaca in innumerable ways. Um, so you can just let your mind run with that. However you want to do it, you can do it. Uh, or even if you don't want to do it, it could happen. Um, just is. And that's part of the part of the what makes it you know real gives it substance gives it verve and life and zest. It's uh, it's cool. Do you know every year in Oaxaca they find a new mushroom that's never been discovered before in the history of man? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a fertile bed of discovery for mushrooms. That's amazing. Yeah, these Japanese guys were there and they were like, um, uh, <laughs> we're really excited because you have these and this is a big deal. That's uh, awesome because you know they didn't have. Um, people locally trained to find them, mycologists mm -hmm. and people from other countries, you know, Japanese are big into mushrooms. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so every, every year they discover actually a new species of mushroom in Oaxaca, pretty much without fail every year. Isn't that amazing? It kind of is. Yeah. At this time of human history, you know, I mean, when you think about that and you think about what goes into, I mean, it's just all kinds of cool stuff floating around and living and it's in what you eat, it's in what you drink, it's in what ferments things. I mean, it's... Yeah, ferments things, you yeah, know, it's a big I mean, deal. That's amazing. We take it for granted, but totally. it's kind of a magic, you know. There is a magic to that. You know, I'd, I'd like to, that's something I'm going to learn more about, actually. That's on my, it's on my list. So you uh, did some work on Capitol Hill, got out of the desert for a little bit. I did. Um, so geology kid uh, and... Um, one summer, I worked for the Honorable Dennis DeConcini, good Arizona Democrat, of which there are very few. Um, Dennis is awesome. And so uh, I, I went there to intern in his office uh, one summer, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, ended up writing uh, writing a lot of things, start with constituent mail, then ended up writing speeches. And uh, That must have been cool. That was amazing. I mean, it's great to, you kid, you write something, you hand it to the center, he's like, great, let's go. And you print it out in like uh, the biggest font possible and head to the, to the floor of the Senate and he reads it. And you're like, this is fantastic. You know, and it's it, in the record. It's in the record. Yeah, in the wrote. congressional record. It's cool. So the whole plan at that point in life was, you know, I, I love being outdoors. I have a real appreciation for nature. Yeah. And I want to get back. You know, I want to do something about it. So I want to be an attorney. I want to do environmental law. You wanted to do environmental law. I want to do environmental law. And I thought, well... The kind of mixing with the biology and right. the time in the desert and caring about space. Totally. And I'm a control freak. I admit that. I, I know this about myself. Is that true? Uh, yeah. I, you know, not in maybe the ways that you see on TV or whatever, but I, but I do... 
I feel like it's, you know, if, if you don't tell your story, someone else is going to tell it, and then you didn't have the opportunity that you did That's have. That's the way I just, feel, about. It just flew away. So, but I also think there's a ton of control freaks in the wine collecting business. Ton. Oh, yeah. I'm not a control freak like that. I'm a control freak of my own circumstance, right? And so I thought, okay, so if I'm going to do environmental law, I want to speak the language of the legal community, and I want to speak the language of the scientific community. And oh, I'll okay. Just, and kind I'll of bridge just, the gap. Yeah, I mean, and... And just for myself, just so I understand what I'm talking about, and uh, and I think that's important. You know, I think you, the due diligence is, is, is a lot to it, and that applies broadly to everything we do. So, um, yeah, finished. Well, I didn't finish at Occidental. Eventually, I finished at Occidental. I finished my junior year, and I was burnt. I was just like done. And um, this woman that uh, actually many years later became my wife. Uh, was a year ahead of me at Oxy, and she finished, and she's like, you know what, I'm going to go to Italy. And I said, you know what, I'm going to come with you. And so I did, and uh, blew off my senior year at that point. Uh, my friends were like, what? You're almost out of here. I was like, you know what, I am out of here. I'm out of here right now. So uh, we moved to Italy, and she taught English, and uh, I brought a bike, rode bikes. I took language classes and art classes, uh, which was amazing, you know, like a lot of kids do. Um but the car situation was a little different than it was in L.A., huh? It was so great. I didn't get into a car for a whole year. That's, that's awesome. I mean, it's really appreciable to think, like, you live a pedestrian lifestyle in the literal sense of the word. You, know, it's, you walk everywhere. And you walk every day to get your groceries, and you buy what you need for that day. And refrigerators are tiny because you really don't need one. And, you know, if everything's fresh, if we're really going to live by it. And that was, that was compelling. And that's, that's, I think, where, that was the biggest moment. You know, that's when I got bit by that bug that the gestation period was over many years. Um, and still, still gestating. But that, that was the, the big shift for me. When you just come to appreciate it, how good it's supposed to be, you know? And, and I, you know, I was king of, like, the dorm room nachos, you know, mix the Velveeta with the paste, throw it in the microwave take another bong hit and away you go right that was food and then you go to italy and and i love to eat and like wow all right here we go this is awesome so um that really stuck and uh my wife's family is from bologna so we would i didn't realize that yeah so uh on the mother's side so we would go north on the weekends and learn to cook um that was that was huge um so i learned to cook from rena who would never let me touch anything for the first many weeks. You just, you had to watch and you could ask questions, but you can't touch, um, which was interesting. You know, it was good. And, uh, you know, fast forward, came back and uh, did finish at Occidental um, and got into grad school, um, did a, a master's graduate thesis in paleofluvial morphology. Again, chasing that. I can't uh, even pronounce that. Yeah, paleo, ancient, fluvial, river system, <laughs> morphology. Oh, river makeup. system. Yeah, okay. Paleo, yeah. fluvial, <laughs> morphology. Big, long word. But it's, yeah, it's cool stuff. It's, it's the, the real message there is just chase it. Yeah. You figure Create it out. It. Create yeah, it. Exactly. Create it. Yeah. Exactly. Like, that's the part about, you know, I have a lot, I have many friends that are in the tech space and, um, and that's the part that I really appreciate the most about those people in that space is because they just like, they look around the room or they look at the wall and what there is, there is. And then they somehow put their hands together and they rip it open and step through to another place that didn't exist before. And that, that kind of thinking is the most inspiring thing on the planet to me right now. It's really, really interesting. All right, let's roll back to the table. So you, you come back. 
and you are remembering the good times in Italy, you blow off law school, and you wander into this wine store called Bricks. I haven't blown off law school yet. Got it. So it's grad school, working through it. Um, I'm clerking at another firm. There is Congress of factors. So now, before it was the bankruptcy stuff, now I'm in, a, in a grad school working for a very, very small firm, down from the world's largest firm, doing environmental-related issues. And finding that with the law, it doesn't matter whether you're doing bankruptcy or you're doing the environmental work, you still make the same motions and go around the same board. Sure, like I not, object is still the same. It's depend, still yeah. the same thing. And you know, you're just, it's like Monopoly. You're the hat or you're the shoe or you're the car, but you still keep going around the same board. And I didn't like that board and I didn't like those motions and it wasn't fun and I was having a bad time. Um, simultaneously, I found as I worked through grad school with the science, the farther you go, the smaller scale at which at least my work took my investigations. And I spent one summer in a small, hot, dark room with a scanning electron microscope. And that was a big no bueno. You know, I'm in the mountains. It's beautiful out. And here I am in the dark here with this thing. And and I appreciate what I was chasing, but I was just, it just wasn't feeling it. You were trying to get closer to the earth, not closer to a small, dark scantron. Exactly. Right. So, um, you know, that sort of set the stage for this moment, which was thesis defense week. And, uh, you, know, you know, I'm all done and, and uh, with all my work and what have you. I was finishing up some stuff in the lab and hopped the fence, uh, which is one of those old chain link fences, blah, blah, blah. Ran right across Route 66 to a wine shop called Bricks, which was um, Bobby Stuckey was a partner in that. Heard him. Yep. So it was 1996. And uh, that is the year that I started college. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm an old guy. Not to, not to interrupt, but no, it's good. So, um, so Batman met Robin at the Bricks Wine Store. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well said. You know. So um, we. Uh, he wasn't there that day, um, or maybe he was. It was the next day that he really pushed me off the cliff in in a good way. But uh, you know, I walked in and uh, helped myself to the wine shelves, and I was like, you know, I kind of rec- recognize that, and yeah. just picked up a random bottle, and it looked familiar. Yeah. Um, and here, before I drank most of the wine in Italy out of a pitcher, and you pour it into a tumbler, right? That's where I right. developed this idea that it's a grocery, not a luxury. Which is something you've said, you know, now and again. I, I say it a lot. I mean, I really, I'm try to live it, and I mean it, and it's my most lofty ambition to have all of America understand wine as a grocery. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not like something you pick up with the eggs, not like, oh my God, it's a special moment. It's like something you have a glass of at lunch and at dinner every day, you know, that's it's good for you, you know? So um, I take this bottle home, I p- pull the cork, I start cooking, I pour myself a glass, I stick my considerable nose in it, considerable in terms of volume. I've always got the biggest nose. I, I think I, I got you beat, so don't worry about I, it. I, I have you. Rulo's got both of us beat. Rulo in spades, so you'd add us up. <laughs> <laughs> he was genetically predisposed to be the world's greatest winemaker. It's amazing. I know. But, um, yeah, we can go a lot of places with that. We'll leave that alone. So, um, anyways, immediately the, the just the first smell takes me back to a specific meal that I remembered very vividly. And uh, this is a well-worn story at this point. But, um it was really compelling, and I didn't understand that you could have memories that vivid based on your sense of smell. Like the first whiff, and you're back in Italy. Back at uh, on uh, Borgo San Jacopo and Osteria Cingale Bianco, and remember where we sat and what everyone ate and wore and what the waitress did right and wrong. I mean, it was really just like <sighs> rushed in. And that was that was pretty awesome. 
Um, so it was the next day I was supposed to be in a legal library and uh, someone got billed for that half hour, but um, I was in the coffee shop. I hope it was Dick Cheney. Yeah, exactly. Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? He can afford it. Um, no, I kid. But uh, yeah, so I was describing this to Bobby and I was like, you know, Bobby, I, I'm... You, you, how did that happen? You went back to the store and you were like, hey, I want to take you out for coffee or... Uh, no, I just goofing off like, hey, man, let's meet for an espresso. I don't, I don't want to be in the legal library. Like, yeah, <laughs> but you talked to Bobby at the store previously or, or what, what was the first meeting? The first meeting was, I think, uh, he ripped my legs off on a bicycle ride. Oh, that's right. You guys yep. went bicycle riding. Yeah. I and mean, so that's why finishing. you went to Bricks, probably. You're like, hey, that's my boy exactly. Bobby's store. I'm going to go to there and exactly. see if they got a thing. Exactly. Because you guys are both like marathon men. Not like Dustin Hoffman, but like real run- runners. It's, yeah. Spent a lot of time thinking about physical activity because it makes me a nicer person. That's why I do it anyways. Oh, I get you. Yeah, yeah. I find that too. Yeah. It helps. really helps. Um, so... Anyways, I described this to him, and I said, you know, I, I, I'm done with the science in my mind, and, and um, I don't think I want to go to law school. I think I'm going to do food and wine. And he's like, well, then you should. And I was like, well, then I will. So uh, that, that Was decided, that a good push for you? It was great. In hindsight? It, oh, my God, it's the best thing ever. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer that you got to do what you love, you know. And if you don't do what you love, then as far as I know, you're missing out, you know. And I don't want to miss out. I Like we started this episode with, I think it's important to – to make sure that you're having fun. And if you're having fun, you're making the most. And if and importantly, if you're having fun, you're gonna do your best work. And that that's the key. You know, I mean, if if you don't love it, you're not gonna do your best work. Uh, and anything worth doing is worth doing well. I find if you're having fun, other people let you do your best work. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like if you're creating the fun vibe, people try not to stand in your way. People try to help you exactly. through. Which totally. in the service thing is the whole thing. I found don't like me, you're not gonna like the wine. Like uh, absolutely, they don't like me. It doesn't matter. They're not gonna like the wine. That's, That's true. Isn't totally it? found that. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. So you hear from Bobby, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm vibing on what this guy has to say." Exactly. So um, I walked the two and a half blocks back to Hufford and Horseman, and I said, "Hey guys, thanks so much. I'm done. I'm out." Yeah. And uh, called law school and said I won't be there, and uh, jumped off the cliff. That was it. So um, moved to Montana. Because uh, my wife jumped off the cliff uh, a year later, but in that in that year, she was also finishing grad school at that time, and she got the first real job at the University of Montana. And we went up. So and, you moved for her real job? Exactly. I mean, I, she was, here, yeah. I just like hopped into the wind, and I could figure out whatever I was going to figure out, no matter where we were, or at least I thought so at the time. But big sky country, not probably the worst move for a guy who likes the desert. Um, no, it was not a horrible move. When we got there in July, it was amazing. It's Eden. Like the sun goes down at 10 something. And I mean, it's awesome. You know, they're grizzly bears. It's the real thing. Um, so we were like, this is great. And we lived in a motel until we bought a ramshackle, just disgusting old house, uh, which we poured our, uh, love and every nickel into and redid and that was that was great um and then winter came um something like october 1st and way up there they just switch out the lights and it's over is that true oh my god it's done um and especially in missoula where we're living i guess i don't know if it still exists this was you know 20 years ago almost and um it was an inversion layer so add that to winter to far northern hemisphere action and it was dark a lot of propane for solar powered kid it was brutal um but all that said, uh, I was cooking, and I walked into what was the nicest restaurant in town, the Red Lion Inn, and um, 
found the chef whose name was Hans. He was a master chef and uh, we chatted about it. I think that means you can carve the hell out of a block of ice and put on brunch for 2,000 people. They can do the pulled sugar move? Oh, wow. They, oh, absolutely. Pulled sugar They're competitions amazing. for that stuff. <laughs> I know. I'm like, wow. I mean, hey, again, whatever floats your boat. It's so uh, quickens the pulse. Um, so anyways, Hans is like, oh, yeah, you want to learn to cook? Okay, yeah, great, super. Here, uh, hold this, hold this. And he put an egg pan in my hand. He took a piece of toast and stuck it in there. He said, flip it. And I flipped it. And he said, great, you're the breakfast cook for the whole <laughs> hotel, which was amazing. That was amazing. I was like, awesome, I think. And uh, you figure it out really quick. It's just sink or swim. There's um, a lot of different ways to make eggs. Oof, wow. Yeah, who knew, right? That's amazing. I found out quickly. Um, and, that, and I have to say, that was like one of the great experiences in life. It wasn't a long one, but... Um, you know, we're experimenting with our no car, super down to earth, hippy dippy moment, and um, what that meant was getting up at four a.m. in the dark and riding your bicycle through the snow and in, into to make eggs, and it was cool. You know, I had a blast doing it. Um, what was the kitchen like? Huge, enormous. I mean, it was a big motor hotel. You know, the line you know, it was as big as the, the line itself was as long as this room, which is what thirty feet or something, and it's just you. You know, and so so you were the one man. One breakfast man, machine, make with, it happen in the gigantic kitchen. Make all the batters, get all the irons hot, get the flat top rocking. Don't burn the bacon because it's in an oven in the back, and just you know get ready to hang on because the printer starts spitting. And you say, like, probably all within about an hour and a half. Yep, real quick, and it's awesome. Um, and and that's where I I think I discovered that I, that I. I have and enjoy the synapse that I think there's a restaurant synapse and you have it or you don't. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, better or worse or whatever, whatever. It just means that your brain, you know, clicks at a certain something that lets you multitask and lets you enjoy it and you can hold it all together. And I love it. I love that just you're jamming on it and you're just singularly focused on 8 million things at once. Do you get the runner's high? Oh, totally. Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. actually how I got into it. Yeah, yeah, I do. Because I do, I do on the floor. And oh, that's, absolutely. I, I go back for that. Yeah. You oh, know what I mean? I do. I do know what you mean. Um, I don't go back as often as I should for that now. But uh, Well, I, I didn't go back in the last few months, but yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's no, what I, I kept do. me in. It's thrilling. It's Be totally thrilling. Because I was never on an athletic team, so that was what I got. Yep. You know what I mean? I do. And that was, I, I, I liked it. And it's at the end of the night, it's just like, whew, right? It's amazing. And yeah. You just feel like wide open and it's it's awesome. I agree with you. And I think it's important then with that said to capture that, like figure out what it what are the ingredients that led up to that awesome moment. And I think about that with all kinds of elements in my life. Like how do I get to my best place to enjoy X, right? Frequently it the recipe is very similar. Um, but I I, you know, again, that's me being the control freak for myself. Like how do I optimize that moment? Right. And, and I, I have a certain set of things I do and there you go. But yeah, and being so ready to receive is a good thing. You were making the breakfast and yep. you're actually doing a good job at it. Mm -hmm. uh, and you decided to, to change up your game a little bit and do some other kind of cooking. Yeah. Uh, I decided to change it up. I get into a fight with the front staff, uh, front of the house staff with some scallops. Oh, nice. Raw or cooked? Raw. Nice. You just, just threw them at each other? threw them at each other. Was it a pickup thing? I said pickup. Exactly. Damn it. Ugh. You know, it's funny. I've never been more angry in the kitchen. Um, 
And I mean, in hindsight, it wasn't even really my anger. But the kitchen can be an intense place. Just the heat alone. And it's a group psychosis, actually. It's like, why yeah. are we upset in the first place? Like, I don't really know. Right. Um, <laughs> you look back, you're like, boy, that was really foolish. But uh, yeah, so um, picked up the game and pulled stakes up in Montana. We lasted 11 months. Sun went away in October. By May, we hadn't seen it, and we'd sold the house, and uh, and we we took off. Um, and we looked at uh, we looked at Portland, and we looked at San Francisco, and this would have been 1997-ish. Um, and I thought, you know, I believe in myself, and I can go to these places, and I can get in line with all these other kids, and uh, you know, work my way up, or you know, I can go back to Arizona where I uh, you know, is not known as the culinary epicenter of the world, but there are good things there. Um, and two really um, important people that I'd like to work with, and I th- think that I would have a shot at just like walking right in. And you knew that those were there because you were from that area. Exactly. And you kinda, you've, yeah. Whereas other people might not even, and might not even be on their radar. Yeah, I mean, both of these two guys were getting getting some press, but it's not like anyone's like, oh, I gotta move to Arizona to learn to cook, right? And were you at that moment where you're starting to get a little bit older and you're like, wow, I haven't really put it together in my life and I need to move quickly to do so? I never felt that. Never felt that? Never felt Got that. It. Um, I'm, you know, I'm by all accounts sort of late to, late to the food and wine game. You know I mean? Everyone's getting into it really young and here I went and burnt time in Italy and I burnt time with a graduate degree and, you know. I think that was the older model though. Like yeah. the older guy. Yeah. Not, you know. Yeah. No, I feel that. And, and I wouldn't trade it either. Like I think that all those experiences are what make you rich as a person, provide perspective. And I mean, the art part in particular really stuck and it remains a big part of our lives. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm into that. So, uh, so I go to, go to Arizona, I work, uh, first with Al Zeman, um, who's amazing by some accounts. He's the whatever, grandfather of Southwestern cuisine, whatever that is. Uh, to me, he was, um, just, I, I couldn't have asked for a better first experience, uh, or better experience period. He, um, very, very old school and French and technique and in, discipline in the kitchen and not like you got to peel potatoes for 18 months before you touch anything else, but just very focused. He was very into teaching you. And I mean, we made everything there. So, you know, you would roast the bones and make the stock overnight. And then you spend all the next day making the gloss. And once the gloss was made, if you didn't use a rubber spat to get it out of the pan, he would dock your paycheck and make you make soap, right? I mean, it was just, it's all there for you to do and he'll teach you and you have to do it right. And if you don't, you're making soap and he docks your check and you, you learn, you learn in those circumstances. You know, it's not like. Did you get a chance to make some nice soaps? <laughs> I never had to make soap, <laughs> but I watched a lot of people make some soap. I did bust a lot of suds. I did wash a lot of dishes, uh, which is great. Actually, I love washing dishes. It's, it's there. It's a Zen. You can it, get it into is, it. It is. Yeah. It's like really folding can. napkins. Yeah, it is. You know Absolutely. I mean? You yep, can really like, put there. some good music on. Yep, just getting that space. Or the, um, the all drink to that podcast exactly. for other people. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> for a younger generation. <laughs> totally. So uh, I worked for Al for a year and worked my way up through the kitchen. And then um, I went to the second guy I wanted to work for, um, Janos Wilder, who uh fantastic chef also and uh, very well-renowned. Um, today he remains a very good friend. Um, I feel very lucky to call him a friend. And, uh, and I went to Janos and I said, hey, man, I want to I want to work here. And that's why I moved back. Um, they're great. So audition in the kitchen. I did my audition over whatever, a few days. And um, 
he then came to me and and while at at working for Allen, um, I was still reading about a lot of wine and took the first course, Master Sommelier, uh, Court of Master Sommeliers, intro exam. So you're you're keeping the wine thing alive, Absolutely. the kind of thing that had pushed you in that direction in yeah. the first place. Yeah, so I was reading as much as I could, tasting as much as I could. You know, I had no money and just you know you figure out what you can figure out. And you come in early and you try to score in on the manager's tastings while you're in between. You know. Right. Whatever, because that's who was tasting then. Not so much sommeliers, but managers. Yeah, the managers, exactly. And uh, you know, I was doing everything I could. And there was a point at which you know, kids would run by uh, you know the Griardin station. And they'd say, "Hey, man, what should I pair with this? What should I sell with that?" He was like, "Really, you were a sommelier from the kitchen?" Yeah, volunteer sommelier from the kitchen. Nice. Yeah, it was good. Meanwhile, you're you know cooking steaks, and uh, that was that was great. So flash forward the year, I'm I'm working at or asking Janos for a job, and uh, he said, "Okay, yeah, you can work here. You can work in the kitchen, or alternatively, we're about to move the restaurant, and I'll have a ten thousand bottle wine cellar, and I'll need a sommelier. I've never had one before. Uh, would you like to do that?" Amazing, dude. Amazing. Like just pure dumb luck. You think that was a question that changed your life in a way? Absolutely. It was huge. I mean, I th- I thank Giannis for taking a chance on me, you know, giving me the opportunity. It was huge. It was amazing, you know. I think that would be hard to find that opportunity as a, as a fairly young guy today with limited experience because there's so much competition. I just, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just don't think it exists actually. I mean, it's, pff, lightning struck. I was very fortunate. I mean, I've been fortunate in that respect a, a number of times over and over again. Uh, I'm a very lucky kid. So you got to build that whole cellar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he brought some wine up from, from the old restaurant, which was, you know, basically like great old heights and great old Romane Conti and things he'd just been collecting. And it was like good stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I got to fill the rest of it. And he was he was very methodical and really questioned every decision I made, not just to be difficult, but to make me defend it and make make sure I really understood what I was doing instead of like, I love X and now we're going to fill the cellar with X. And it's right, like, well, right, right, right. what about, you know, Look, it's, A through S? Right. You got to have that stuff too. Um, so that was that was so helpful. But um, from an academic background, it might have helped you to someone challenge you a little bit because you were kind of used to that? Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you got to defend the assumptions, right? You know, so... So that was um, that was very very important and uh, a great experience. I worked with him for a couple years, um, and I learned so much there. I mean, I I remember at one point it just felt like it was the the Chalk Hill track meet, right? It's like yeah, because people were coming in to order Chalk Hill when it was super over super and popular over and over and over, and you just what was know. the proportion of Chalk Hill to Jordan? Ah, oh, that's an excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> they were probably one for one at that point in time, you know. And, uh, they were and the, together they were like two to one to everything else, you know, some nights. They were like, like the bow tie. Like that's what you, you know, you're putting on a fancy night. There it is. You put on the bow tie wine. You Isn't know what amazing? I mean? I do. That brutal, that cummerbund. I'm going to call that a cummerbund. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the way down there. Um, so, but then, you know, um, a lot of other good stuff too, and a lot of amazing experiences. I remember the first time I opened a bottle like that was over three hundred dollars. I was trembling, you know. Like, yeah. You know, fast forward a few years, and if you know, it took twenty grand to make that right, happen exactly. again, you know. Yeah. But um, that's the real inflation in the market. Where's the could, trembling hand? Exactly. You know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, to moments where I remember one time I uh, a Behringer Private Reserve, and and uh, they were drinking this alongside, I believe, I want to say eighty. No, 90 Mouton. Yeah, 90 Mouton. That's a pretty good one, too, because they have some similarity. Weight, yeah, it, mocha, it, dark. 
Exactly. And oh. um, they became really similar when I poured one on top of the other. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Right. That was one of those great Usually I let the waiters And you're just like, <gasps> Yeah. And just, you don't even know what to say. And uh, I only did it to the host and he, he couldn't have been more gracious and I couldn't have been more horrified. Right. And there's another one of those moments. You're just like, okay, take that gem, right? And, and he didn't beat the hell out of you. He didn't make force you to pay for him. And I, I certainly couldn't have paid for him at that, that point in my life. No chance. Your boss didn't make you pay for him. No, he did not. No, that the, was nice of him. The, the guests were fine. The guest, the host. Oh, really? Was like, you still paid for it and stuff? Yeah, he just laughed it off. Man, at me only and, in Arizona. Oh Jesus my God. Christ. He, he was just like, he was so nice and totally understood and just saw that I was like mortified. And uh, and, we, and he laughed at me. And then I was like, thank you. You know, thank you for that. And I, I was, what a gift. Um, I'll never forget it. You know, it's really one of those fantastic moments. And you just go, mistakes are cool. Make them once and learn from it. And that's it. You know, don't, don't do it twice. Um, with anything in life, right? So, oof, that was a good one. And uh, you know, talking about, it, I just got all like flustered again. So, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I know exactly what you oof. mean. Yeah. Two thousand comes around, and uh, now I haven't seen Bobby in a long time. This is Bobby uh, Stuckey. Yep, exactly. Uh, he left Flagstaff uh, before I did, um, and moved to Aspen. Was doing the wine program at the Little Nell. Um, and then he was leaving the Nell to go to the French Laundry, and he encouraged me to apply for his job. So how was it that you guys developed such a tight relationship, which what seems like not that much personal encounter? Um, you know, I don't know. I just liked each other. I think, uh, I mean, we love to drink beer together. Yeah. He He's is the king of the motorboats, dude. Unbelievable, that guy. Me. Oh, you are? Oh, yeah. Ah, I'll see, go, the I'll truth on, comes I'll out. I'll go on record. <laughs> the I'll truth comes out. Boat racing. Uh, that was my best skill at Occidental, campus champ. Um, I might have to test you on that. I'm, I wasn't a slouch. All right. I think we should. Yeah. Matt, get to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I can definitely do one take. I don't know if I can do it as fast as you, but I can definitely do We'll try. Yeah. Is, this, is this like me saying I know how to play poker and I'm like going to get slayed by the wolves? I, you know, I, I have been known to have been beaten handily uh, a number of times. So I, I don't think I'm that, that great in the larger scale of things. But uh, anyways, we like to drink beer together. He's one of the few people I know that didn't have a television either. And I don't know, just all, all kinds of weird, small little things that stuck <laughs> um, with us. And so, um, but He yeah. remembered you. And when he was leaving a, a great gig, he remembered Richard. Exactly. reached out. Yep, reached out. And uh, I guess I was one of the few people that interviewed, probably the only guy. So they gave me the no job. No way you were the only guy. That I, I actually don't even have any idea. Okay. But, uh, but they like flew out to meet you and stuff. Yeah, they did. Uh, someone flew to Arizona and came to Yanos and blah, 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 and did the service. And, and that uh, was the guy with the 90 Mouton? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> That's Connie, <laughs> Connie Thornburg, uh, F&B director. She's awesome too. Um, she's now in Napa. And I remember Bobby saying, just be sure to wear your best suit. It's like, okay, I can do that. He's a sharp-dressed man. Oh, that, yeah. that probably meant something to him. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, got the job, moved to Aspen, and... Uh, <laughs> opening night wore one of my best suits beautiful tan wool number oh nice yeah going with the tan huh smart right until uh you're now at eight thousand feet and pressure is different and i've got a bottle in the decanting cradle a bottle of old bordeaux and pull the cork and goes and just blows red wine all over my beautiful <laughs> tan suit you know, I once did this tweet about someone, like if you're wearing a white suit, it's either your first day as a sommelier or you're the owner. 
And you were exactly. the only one that retweeted it, and now I know why. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you felt it. You felt me on that. That was it. That was it. And uh, oh man, what a mess! But it was just awesome. It was one of those things. None of those like slaps in the face, and where you just go, "Cool, man, I get that. I feel that. I'll, I'll take the lesson. I'll take the lesson. I got it. I won't. I won't do this twice." So, what is the key to opening a bottle at eight thousand feet that doesn't explode on you? Uh, well, you know, still wine. It's good not to have the wine up against the cork. You know, so I was probably doing it wrong anyways. Um, so you so, put it up fully vertical? No, you just uh, futz with the angle in the canting cradle a little yeah, bit. You know, yeah. keep, keep it up just a little bit so yeah. there's more air. So it's basically all air torch touching the cork. Um, champagne gets really volatile up there. So you got to, you know, it's really bubbly. You know, whatever, however many, was it eight atmospheres or whatever the number is. at Yeah, eight atmospheres in a bottle of champagne. Yeah, yeah. at in Champagne, which is basically sea level. So you take that up to 8,000 feet, and I'm not sure what the atmospheres are when you're all the way up there, but it's a lot, Yeah, right? It's the same reason you get off the airplane and everything in your toiletry bag blew up. Yeah, well, all kinds of things happen up there. I mean, water boils 20 degrees lower. Um, so when you live up there and you come down from the mountain, you burn your mouth on everything. You can't drink an espresso. You can't eat the pasta. You can't, you know, you just, you, all this food comes, you just got to like look at it so you don't like ruin your palate. I mean, not like you lose your sense of taste, but you burn your mouth on everything. There's also 40% less oxygen up there. So my contention is the best place in the world to drink wine. Things evolve at a much slower pace. It's like a Scottish castle. It's amazing. I mean, except without any air. So it's it's all kinds of stuff happens up there. But um, but yeah, Aspen. It's it's uh, that was the greatest wine job in the world. And I, you were there for a while, eight years. Amazing. That's a long time, actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a long time in the same job as sommelier. And, um, but you got to see a, a cellar that you built mature, which is not everybody gets to do that. It was huge. I mean, it was really special. And um, I, I basically had no budget, which- you Which know, you had a lot of money, but is what you mean by that. Wow. Not like when people say today when they mean they have no money. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like I had a lot of money and um, I didn't even know how much money I had. I just bought and- no one said anything because we kept selling, and, kept selling. and the wine sales doubled and then they tripled. And, you know, that was, that's appreciable. So, um, was and, it like the Nantucket thing? Like people came there to drink it, wine? It came to party. Yeah. And one of the interesting pieces about Colorado is that a lot of the wine makers like to be in Colorado. So they send a lot of really nice stuff there. And I was basically competing with nobody for all the allocations right. of everything. That great. was like me in Florida. I was like, oh, do you want to give me that many cases of Ravenel? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd never seen the stuff that, that ended up flowing through those doors. It was, it was amazing. Um, and we sold it all. I mean, people come to party, uh, which is great. And then also great... I mean, in fact, a lot of overlap in guests from the Nell to, you know, what, who a lot of you guys know here in New York. New York, yeah, people. Um, I never took care of these people in New York, but I have to imagine the tenor is very different. Um, you know, even some of the guys from Skadden would come in. Skadden Arps, <laughs> law firm here, would, would come in and uh, they'd always say, oh, yeah, you made a great, great decision. And they meant it, which is when they would hear this story about me leaving, et cetera. But... Um, Everyone's just like in the best mood ever, right? Yeah, because there's because no they, work the next day. There's no work the next day. There was no work that day. You know, they and the just, powder was good every the day. The powder was great. So, so you're set up to win, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to grin when they walk in the door, not just like, Ugh. you know, it's like, oh, yeah, right. great, awesome. So everybody's partying. 
which is good and also a liability because they also expect you to party with them. Right, right, right. So, uh, but, you know, given what you said about college and stuff, you know, it sounds like you've been training for that gig your whole life. You know uh, yeah, I mean? but, you know, you got you to know your balance. Yeah. You got to find balance. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm a very healthy human being uh, today. But, you know, it's I think a lot about that balance. You got to work hard at it. Very hard at it. I, at least I do. Um, so the... Uh, yeah, everyone's there partying and, and you're partying with them. And the beautiful thing that happens right about April is all the snow melts and everyone goes away. And they turn off the lights in the hotel and you get to leave. And that's really nice. Because so, a lot of sommeliers are at the desk all year and you're like, hey, I don't even have a desk right now because they just locked me out. So exactly. I need to go travel. Yeah, so get lost for the next two months. It's pretty awesome. And was that really helpful with the MS studies as well? Like giving you time to really focus in because you didn't have to be on the floor? That did uh, help. And also, you know, back to the control freak slash, you know, rigorous part of myself. Is, um, I, I'm, I impose things on myself. And so I wouldn't cram the studies per se into that period. But I would say you have to study at least an hour a day every single day. So you made yourself get up early. Every just like day. an exercise routine. A absolutely. Every single day. And just don't miss it. And if you don't miss it, it's it's actually, it's not hard. You know, it's sort of like, it's running intervals. It's faster than you've ever run, but it's only 40 seconds. And then you walk, right? And in those moments, it's actually, it's hard, but it, then it's over. It's harder than it's over. And in the end, it's not really hard at all. Do you know what I mean? It's yes. just because they're just, it's just little, little chunks, little, little micro doses of, of this input and it adds up. And that's... Um, that was really helpful to me just to have that focus. And I had a great mentor um, who, who absolutely deserves mention. Um, he's one of the most, uh, he's one of the most amazing human beings I've ever met, period. Uh, you know, irrespective of, of my professional relationship with him is uh, Jay Fletcher. Um, and, I, and who's that? Jay's, uh, he's one of the earlier master sommeliers, but, uh, you know, to, to put it like that would, to take, would be to take away from who Jay really is. I mean, he's... Um, no one tells his story like he does, but from Wisconsin, you know, pool hustler, um, really like that. And and just, you know, I, I can't even begin to tell his story, but I can just say that nobody is a survivor like Jay is, and nobody is a competitor like Jay is, and um, and nobody loves like Jay does. I mean, he's he's a wonderful, compassionate, thoughtful, driven guy, um, and 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 uh, one of my best friends. So he was there and really helped me understand that discipline, um, including blowing him off. Would invite me to go ski every day. You know, my office is at the base of the mountain. I skied for free. You know, I lived at the base of the mountain, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, during that period, um, you know, I, I didn't ski a day in the year leading up to the advanced exam, and I didn't ski a day in the year leading up to the master's exam because it was just this myopia, like I'm doing this, whatever it is, I'm doing this, I'm gonna do it really, really well, and I'm gonna you know, enjoy the journey, but I'm gonna to get to the goal. And you know, that's huge for me. That's just how I think about things. If I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it well, or at least as well as I can. You know? And, and you, you, you should only measure against yourself, right? But at the end of the day, you know, we all go to bed and think, you know, 
you're only thinking to yourself in your head. You can only play it back for yourself. And if you're unhappy with what you did, then you got to live with that, you know? And, and I, I'm unhappy with lots of things I've done and, and, and I try to make them better all the time um, because I want to have that discussion and give myself a high five and just like, right on, bets, like nicely done. That's gratifying. So there you go. But back to springtime, travel, wine. Do you think you felt that way because uh, you tended to search out moments where you tended to be uh, away from people a lot? So at the end of the day, you were really just kind of interested in what bets felt about bets. Um, yeah, I think spending so. Spending time in the desert, spending time in remote areas like yeah. Montana and Italy, and there's totally. just not that constant reinforcement from other people about what you're wearing or exactly. where your status in the society is, especially when you move around a lot. Totally, totally. So. Bukowski said it best, you know, he said, <laughs> Bukowski said, Charles Bukowski said, I don't hate people. I just feel better when they're not around. And uh, <laughs> I feel that, you know, and there are times, and I'm a very, very social person and I love being in and I love just pulling the plug and out I go for a while. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L, drinktothatpod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening.